Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another quirky edition of Bible Study. We are so excited to get started with you. Let's get going. everybody and welcome back to quirks of creation i'm your host jess holmes and joining me as always is elise hello yay Yay, we're here we're doing it i'm excited it's monday night bible study guys Yay! what a good way to start the week it is such a good way to start the week i love doing monday night bible studies just get to hang out kind of like take a moment refresh ourselves before we jump into the heyday of the week i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah you get to feel out your monday come in have a bible study and then hit the rest of the week card <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> it's like sometimes people get like the monday blues and then you can come join us for monday night bible studies to get Yay. rid of the monday blues that's right we something to look forward to <laughs> that's right i love it and love i'm excited for what we're going to talk about today <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna. I think we're gonna hit a lot of uh, quite a few of the topics, or try to. We'll see how it goes. And Babel, Abram, all that good stuff. Yeah, Abram's Abram's kind of a big deal. Yeah, just like a tiny <laughs> big deal. Like God put all His promises on him, or you know, whatever. Something like that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> he was a he was a dude who did some stuff, and yeah, yeah, kind of started a lot of things, I guess. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. But before we get started, you want to pray for us to get us going? Absolutely. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this night and thank you for this time that we get to spend together. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just be with us and help us to hear the word and that you would speak to us and speak through us and just help us all to come a little bit closer to you each and every day and tonight. And I thank you for Jess. I thank you for this opportunity. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Love it. Love seeing our family in the chat. We got Nancy, Nathan, Fad Quality Memes. So many good people. So let's jump in. Do you want to start or you want me to start? Oh, um, where are the most names? No, just kidding. Actually, actually, right after the Tower of Babel, we got 500,000 names. I feel like I gave you all the names last time, so... I'll, I'll get it started and I'll botch all of these for us tonight. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Apologies in advance. Here we go. We got this. So we're starting in Genesis 11. Um, the Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and Tumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. 
Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so they so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord God dispersed them from over there, from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Time out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, we should probably pause and talk there. Uh, yeah. And definitely not address any of the comments in the chat. <laughs> no comments in the chat. Just a quick disclaimer, which I should have started with. We did not plan this. This was not intentional. This, to to also be fair, as far as we know, it didn't crumble from t- attacks. They just kind of gave up on it but it is right. still a tower. And I'm really sorry. <laughs> not on purpose. It, it was not, we didn't even know it was our week. No, no. We found we, that out. I think Saturday. Yeah. We thought it was conspiracy pulled week. So here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So anyway, you know, God, God just has a yeah sense of humor. It's an interesting sense of humor. We're just, we're rolling with it. We're just here for it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like Nana C said, it's a God thing. Yeah. Whiskey big thinks it's hilarious. I'm glad people find it funny. <laughs> Me too. Because I remember when I noticed it when I was making the thumbnail and I told Elise, she, it was like, oh no. Ooh, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> well, we're going, we're going full steam ahead. Yep. So here we are. So here we are. <laughs> now the Tower of Babel. The giggles. <laughs> right. The best humor is the dark humor. I agree oh, with Jay Kelly on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So so true. <laughs> it's my kind of humor. I mean, can it be too soon? No. You know what? I'm I'm gonna stop. <laughs> stop overhead. <laughs> While we're ahead. <laughs> um, Babel. Babel. So this was in Babylon. Right. Correct? Yes. Right. Yeah, that's my understanding is why they call it Babylon. Right. Um, I don't don't even know where to start with this one. So the whole earth had one language. That would be cool. Maybe not. Right. I think all of the time, like, I wish I knew every language, especially ancient languages. Yeah. No joke. But, yeah, that must have been really weird. But it also gave people the ability to communicate well with one another and communicate. If it's all the same language and all the same context, too, like, I feel like there's a lot missing in translation and wouldn't have any of that crap. (laughs) So true. Uh, one of the things that we had in our like promotional material that is not said directly in the Bible is that this is basically the kingdom of Nimrod. Yes. Yes. And I think that comes from <clears throat> when we were talking in chapter 10 about Nimrod, who was a mighty man and his uh, dominion spread over uh, Shinar and a bunch of like other lands here. And he basically united them and i think the idea was for them to rebuild a kingdom 
in such a way that was similar to the days of old, right? The days pre-flood. Because it's not like those legends weren't still being passed down. There were the legends of the giants and the mighty kingdoms and these people who were, I don't know, trying to be like God. And that's really what this is, is people were trying to build up a tower towards God. Yeah, exactly. Like, for me, it's not so much like, hey, you're building a tower, knock it off. I like, I remember as a kid thinking of God, like, no. Like, and with the Lego tower? And, you yeah. know, like your little Too brother. tall. <laughs> comes yeah. and walks in the room and kicks all your Legos down. Exactly. But then it becomes kind of like the Gnostic thing, right? Because the Gnostic thing, the Gnostic texts are like, oh, well... God is a petty God, a petty, jealous God. And that's not what this is. I think it's the hearts and the intention that was behind the Tower of Babel more so than it was what they were building was why. And it was, look what we can do without God. We can be just like God. It's the attitude and the hearts of these men rather than, yeah. And rather than flooding them all. (laughs) He promised not to do it again. He did say he wouldn't. He's like, you know what? None of you are going to speak the same language. None of you, but. Right. We're all going to have different languages and you guys can just go into your little corners, do your own thing. Right. I don't know. Crazy, cool story. It is an interesting story. And I just, this just came across my mind. I wonder if in part the idea of confusing their languages also confused their ability to worship these idols. Right. Because the in many, many legends across the world, these false pagan-like gods get their power from being worshipped. Uh, this is especially true in like Asiatic cultures. I'm thinking of like uh, the Japanese temples, where mm-hmm. if they're not visited often and cared for, then the gods who occupy those temples lose power or disappear over time. And I wonder if this was not a similar thing. Like, everything has a kernel of truth in it. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder if these perhaps fallen angels or demonic spirits or whatever they were worshiping at this time lost their power by people not being able to communally worship them, do human sacrifices to them, whatever they were doing. Right. Right. <clears throat> I would agree. It's um, already uh, difficult when people do speak the same language to get on the same page. And then when you don't anymore, it's that much harder. And yeah, I like that idea though, that it not only was it just to confuse the language, but also to make that, that harder. Yeah. I don't know. It was a good one. Um, some uh, another thought in verse seven. It says, "Let us go down and confuse their language." So, it's very reminiscent of the beginning of Genesis. Let us make man in our own image. Let us go down and confuse their language. And to me, that means he's speaking about the Holy Trinity. Right? That's what I was going to say. The Trinity. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, it is my understanding that not everybody believes in the Trinity. So I, I always wonder, like, what do you believe the us means? Yeah. If yeah. you don't believe in the Trinity. Like, I that's a good question. Angels, Trinity. Angels. Uh, <laughs> I also heard a uh, theory that it was like, we're going to build the Tower of Babel so that if God floods the earth again, it'll be too tall mm. and we can't be, we can't die. 
That makes sense. Yeah. So just another way to undermine God. Mm -hmm. Just thinking of it like logistically, um, there is commentary, I guess you'd say, out there that the Tower of of Babel was the first pyramid. And Mm. that all over the world, this is why we have this same step pyramid ziggurat type structure because it's been preserved culturally from this singular point in time of the most memorable tower ever built. Yeah. And you don't have to have the same language to build architecture, you know, necessarily. I mean, you don't have to, yeah. You take away your kind of interpretation of it, I guess. Make your own cultural pyramid. Right. It is kind of interesting, the people who think like, Moses couldn't read or write or Noah couldn't read or write, but they were smart enough to know to use Bitmen for mortar. Like that's, that's I'm what we're going to point that out now. too. Yeah. It's like, Oh, they, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> People weren't stupid. Yeah. yeah. Look at them being all professional and ziggurats were a big deal in that mm-hmm. too. So, you know, the steps, in right. the pyramid and if you can't see me i'm really sorry <laughs> making it didn't help anyway with her hand <laughs> yeah those eh. we'll talk more about those on friday anyway so, so all of pictures i'm excited <laughs> yes. for it i like what um bookstore thor says i also think the burning of the library at alexandria yes. set us back not because unique info was lost but because there was so much in one place sometimes god pumps the brakes on human advancement so true yes i love that a lot a lot a lot actually that came up in my research again today too so it's funny mm. trevor that you brought that up i was yeah that fits perfectly i love it um I also have to call out his previous his previous thing where he was like, technology would have advanced crazy fast even without the watchers meddling. Right. And then there's that. So And then there's that. <laughs> so, yeah, there's just, like, so much going on here, even in just, like, the nine verses and really sets up for this cycle of sin that man gets itself in. It gets prideful. It gets, like, oh, we're better than God. We don't need God. So let us make these technologies or these towers so we don't have to need God. Yep, exactly. Don't see that repeated many, 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 many. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. Oh, all right. I've been putting it off. Let's try and get through this. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Shem's descendants. These are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered, oh my gosh, right off the bat, Arpashad, who two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he fathered him 500 years and had other sons and daughters. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. When Arpashad had lived 35 years, he fathered Sheila. Oh, that is young. 35. Right. You're only 35. That right. is not not how we do things in the old testament anyway you have to be bare minimum 100 years old at least at least come on (laughs) and arbashad lived after he fathered sheila 403 years and had other sons and daughters sheila had lived sheila had lived 30 years he fathered eber and sheila lived after he fathered eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters 
When Eber had lived 34 years, you guys, just jump in the gun. He fathered Peleg, and I will try not to call him Pegleg. And <laughs> Eber lived, sorry. And Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Ryu. And Peleg lived after he fathered Ryu 209 years and had other sons and daughters. Oh, Lordy. And when Ryu had lived <laughs> 32 years, he fathered Surug. Gosh, you guys, I'm really sorry. You're and Ryu it. lived, yeah, after he fathered Surug 207 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Surug had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Surug lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. Time out, just had a random thought. What if they waited till they were like two, three, four, five hundred million years old to have children so they didn't have to like put up with them as long? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, that was a joke. <laughs> anyway. That's hilarious. Yeah. And Sirach lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years, and he had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Tara. And Nahor lived after he fathered Tara 119 years and had other sons and daughters. When Tara had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Boom. You did it. Let's do it again. <clears throat> right, because now we got to do Tara's descendants. <laughs> Uh, the Terah's descendants. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Yes, Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and um, Iscah. Now, yeah. okay, yeah. Now Sarai was barren; she had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur to the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were two hundred five years, and Terah died in Haran. Ta-da! You nailed it! Woohoo! We did it! So proud of you. I need, like, <laughs> one of these days we're going to invest in a soundboard and have, like, dancing music for, know, like, when we get the names. Yes. Honestly, I think you got it just a tiny bit easier with the names. Those names I do think bad. so, too. <laughs> I, I think I did. <gasps> oh, sorry. It's okay. Don't worry. One of these days we're going to do numbers. Oh, Yep. <laughs> Mind me to just put that one off. No, we'll do that next you time. We do numbers that next time. <laughs> but honestly, you did amazing. And it's, I know it feels like, why are we doing the genealogies? But right. the genealogies are important to show the direct line from Adam to Abraham, Abraham to David, David yes. to Jesus, all that. Yeah. It is important, and there's a reason why they took such lengths to preserve all of this knowledge, too. Right. So, it's, it's good stuff. Um, I don't think anything in there was really a surprise. Thanks, no. Space Babe. Yeah. I'm surprised Frida's here. I know she had a big day, so thank you for being here for oh, us. You're awesome. All right. We ready to get into the meat of it? Let's do it. Let's do it. 
All right, starting in Genesis 12, the call of Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and to your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem. Mm-hmm to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram, Abram journeyed on, still going towards Negev. Yes. Abram's path is interesting here Mm -hmm. because they came to the land of Canaan and God said, I will give this land to you, but I guess he wasn't ready for it yet. Yeah. Or had no means of taking it at this point because he just kind of moves on. Yeah. I mean, the Canaanites were already in the land. Mm. And he's like... Your kids will deal with that. It's fine. Right. Your offspring. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I guess that's the the point is that his offspring would occupy that yeah. land and not Abram himself. Right. Um, <laughs> just looking through it one more time. Yeah. Yeah, I like what Nanasi says. Like, hey, Abram. Abraham, I want you to go out. Abraham, great. Where? Guy goes, that way. <laughs> I mean, really, though, that is yeah. um, that's some big faith on Abram's yes. part. And uh, we don't know all of the things that came to pass before this time. I, I mean, we know a little bit after this time. But there's so many, like, intermittent pieces missing that I wish I knew just because, like, I want to know all the things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess God decided weren't necessary for <clears throat> our faith. I gave you what you need. Right. Okay, fine. I want more. Uh huh. <laughs> and I guess the whole purpose here is to establish the fact that this is the first time God is making the promise with Abram for Abram's line. Yeah. Any other thoughts I here? I don't think I have any other gems at the moment. <laughs> right. Or any for that matter. But One of these days, I'm going to pull up one of these maps that are in my Bible that actually show, like, yeah. where they go. I was thinking that, too. Like, the... Map of Abraham's journey. Right. Because he goes to Ur, and then there's like, I don't know why, there's an alternative migration route where he walks up to the Tigris to Haran, or he could have followed the Euphrates to Mari, Tootle, and then Haran, and then he walks from Haran through Damascus, crazy, Salem, and then into Egypt. Which is where we're headed next. Egypt. Egypt. All right. 
Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will likely say, this is his wife, then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say that you are my sister. Wait, I lost my place. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all right. Say that you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful, and when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife, take her and go. And Pharaoh gave the men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So this is the first time we see Abram like not trusting God to provide for him. Right. First little waiver. <clears throat> and it's frustrating because he does this exact same thing again. I know. And then he does it again. Huh. Um, Why does Sarai keep going along with it? Right. It's like, listen, you made me go hang out with Pharaoh for a little bit. I wasn't like super comfortable with that, but I thought it'd save your life or whatever. Now you're asking me to do it again? I don't know, buddy. Right. And Sarai was his sister or half sister or something along or those lines in real life. Or, yeah. Yeah. Half sister. Yeah. Half sister. And um yeah, I don't I your husband. Hey, I don't want him to kill me. Right. Just act like you're my sister. Kind of. I mean you are kind of, so it's not really a lie. But it I don't know. Yeah. Uh it, it's then, frustrating yeah. on the one hand, but also like weirdly comforting to me too, because I know I doubt like, God like that like all the time, and I shouldn't. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. And then the plagues come because, right, of what he did, which that was like Abram's fault, but it's Pharaoh's the one who gets the <laughs> plague. I don't know. Pharaoh's like, dude, I just I thought it was his sister. What did I do? Well, kind of. To be fair, Pharaoh shouldn't just be like taking people's sisters and be like, I'm going to have that. That's true, too. It's not like he was. It's not like Pharaoh wasn't the right here either. Was a really good guy, but. It's kind of a sleaze bag. (laughs) What have you done to me? (laughs) Uh, Just get out. Get out. Let's see if there's anything else. About any of this. Yeah, I th- it's kind of funny that, well, not funny, haha, but like, oh boy, Pharaoh could have just as well killed him for that. Right, right. I was like, it could have gone either way, really, but. Right. Um, yes. I get it. He calls, he asked her to not be his wife, you know, to not say she was his wife, to like just lay low, I think, you know. We'll try and stay more under the radar. 
Like in those times, how beautiful could you realistically be <laughs> when you can't even shower or they don't have indoor <laughs> plumbing? You know, I'm just saying. It's all relative. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. That's funny. I don't know. He was Pharaoh. Duh. That's why he could just like have whoever he wanted. Like a sleaze bag. You, you're pretty. Come in with me. Yeah. See you later. It's it's Esther all over again. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, Helen of Troy launched a thousand boats. I mean, fair. But, you know, people took extreme measures for that kind of thing way back when. You don't have many wars being fought over, like, Angelina Jolie these days, you know? I'm just right. saying. Just saying. Mm. we don't know what pharaoh looked like he might have been buff i mean fair true it's not like pharaoh was sitting on his throne eating cheetos watching football or anything so you know uh and i mean the the perception of beauty is different everywhere throughout time Ooh, you know. base babe has an interesting idea but they were closer to perfection weren't they because uh genealogically speaking they would have been closer to the garden of eden that's a good point mm. i never thought of that either i don't know hmm. interesting interesting hey north arrow coffee has entered the chat whoop, whoop. hi rob hi rob I think we said all there is to say about that, unless you have anything else, any other thoughts. All right, let's do chapter 13. All right, let's do it. So Abram and Lot separate. Lot. Just kidding. We'll we'll get to him. Yeah, yeah. Talked about this guy. So anyway. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and I, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, and Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great they could not dwell together, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Dun, dun, dun. So I guess the, the land is like, because they're saying that the land wasn't big enough for both Abraham and Lot's flocks, but the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also dwelling in the land? I have questions. I have questions. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, if you have big herds, you're going to need a lot of land. That's true. And, yeah, you're going to want to keep them separate. I, I guess that's the point, is that they came to a land that was already occupied, and so there was really only space for one of them, logistically speaking. Right. Right. Yeah. And then if uh, lots of dudes were picking on Abrams and vice versa, whatever... Right. What I read was like, it was also a thing where Abram was kind of like, let's not make this become a thing between us. Like your guys are already fighting. I don't know. 
Yeah, like just because your herdsmen are fighting doesn't mean you and I should fight. So let's just kind of yeah. part on good terms. Right. You know, we're family. Just nip this in the bud. Yeah. yeah. Um, then Abram said to Lot, let, yeah, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered and everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Just FYI. Just so y'all know, it was nicer back then. I also want to point out, because this kind of relates to what we were talking about Friday, yeah. um, about just kind of the climate of this time, yes. that the land wasn't a desert like it is nowadays. Right. Dur this is just after that great warming period that happened that flooded the whole world, right? And so after the great warming period, you start to get a cooling period, and that cooling period brought lots of temperate trees, lots of temperate weather. And so you would imagine that the climate in this area at this time more resembles North America or some sort of temperate zone and right. less the type, you know, less the savanna that or desert, desert that we know it today. Gotcha. Yeah. So it, yeah. Um, and that's a good thing to keep in mind too, just in general, what we see today isn't what they had then. Right. Throughout the Bible. I, I think it gives, <laughs> it, it, it helps me because it gives context for all these like herdsmen and stuff. Cause yeah. I remember reading this like when I was younger and being like, how are they raising sheep in the middle of the desert? Right. Um, like the camels and stuff I get, but I just found it like very confusing. Idiots. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I like that that ties back to last Friday too. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yes. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. No way. Never would have guessed it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if, no, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamer. Mamre? Mamre? Sounds good to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. I like it. Mm -hmm. Going back and reading the Old Testament like this is always very humbling for me in a way, because it reminds me that, you know, as a Gentile, you know, we were not the chosen people, but mm -hmm. the fact that God still opens up his promise for us to... It's just, I don't know, it's humbling. It is humbling. Like we get to be kind of part of this story, too. Yeah. In our own way. And I love it. Me too. Um, I also love that, 
I don't, I don't think God ever says like, don't be fruitful and multiply or that children, it just a big theme. This might be a stretch, but I don't think so. A big theme throughout the Bible is like, have the babies. You know what I mean? Like lots of children and lots of them be fruitful and multiply and your offspring will be so numerous. And that's all a blessing. It's all a, like, it's always a good thing. Yeah. And today when I think children's lives are not, (laughs) babies' lives are not, you know, how do I want to put it? Um, They're not, they're not even considered treasured. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what's a, what is a sharp enough word for this? I love that you see this even in subtle ways all throughout the Bible, how important the children are and we right. shouldn't forget that. Anyway, random tangent, but we just keep I think it's it. important because I can't imagine how hard the the their lives were at this time. Oh gosh, yeah. And yet I mean, it's not true for Abraham and Sarah, right? Because they had a hard time having children. Right. Um, but for the most part, the goal was for everybody to have a big family, lots of children, and really spread out. Like your household was your whole community. Mm-hmm. It was the most essential and most important part of your life. Mm-hmm. And now we've just like really moved away from that piece of our culture. And even in the church, we've moved away from that. Like this whole thing with like, I, I'm going to knock telechurch as we are sitting right here doing a telebible study. But <laughs> our hope is that you guys, you know, enjoy this night and then go out and be active in your churches. Go right. out and be active in your community. In that community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not just use online as your exclusive community, right? The idea is for us to be face-to-face and in person and sharing and building community together. And obviously, they didn't have technology like this back then or at least... We think they did it. <laughs> Not that we know of. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yes. So the community, the camaraderie, all of the worshiping together, all of that togetherness right. is so vital and important. So yeah. yeah. And building my, families is such an important part of that. Yeah. And even Abram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah yeah. did that too. Even, you know. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a million children, but it. Well, yeah. And it's like Abraham's always being described as being very wealthy and having a large household. So he obviously brought lots of people into his community, tribe, whatever you want to call it. um, And looked after them, took care of them. Yes, absolutely. And that's another part of this you don't really get is like the community built within all of their workers and the herdsmen and. Yeah. yeah, I love fantasy. it. Fantasy. I was yeah, trying not to get slow at uh, swim hooks. <laughs> Eve actually bit into an Apple iPhone. I mean, I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> but All yeah. right. Thanks, you guys. Yay. Okay, Yay. we'll keep going. Okay. Abram rescues Lot. Yeah. Genesis 14. Ah, here we go. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, man, I got a line of them, too. Brace yourselves, guys. And the day of Amraphel, or Amraphel, in the days of Amraphel, 
king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar. Keterlioma. That's it. I had I looked that one up for an episode. Keterlioma. Keterlioma. Where did they get the uh? Keterlioma. I can't look Keter- at it and say it. No, but that's you can't. what pronunciation. It's not phonetic. Oh, me. I hate it. Keterlioma. Yeah. Amazing. That's what the, that's what the internet told me. I don't know. Anyway, I'm sorry. Keep going. No, that was good. Okay, Keterlioma, not fanatic. Nope. King of Elam and title king of Goim. Title king. I I I'm looking well, it up while you you read. I'll look. It okay, up. okay, yeah. Look up title. I'm. Mm, sounds like a Poseidon thing. Weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. These kings made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemember, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. And all these joined forces in the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they had served. I already forgot how to, how to say it. Uh, Keter Leomer. Keter Leomer. But... In the 13th year, they rebelled. In the 14th year, Keterliomer and the kings who were with him came and defeated the the Rephaim and Asheroth. Yeah, that. uh, The Zuzim and Ham, the Emim and (sighs) Shavakiriathaim. And the Horites in their hill country of Seir, as far as Elperon, on the border of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to Enmishpat, that is Kadesh, and defeated all the countries of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who were dwelling in Hazazon Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out, and they joined in battle in the valley of Siddim with Ketoliomar, king of Elam, title king of Go... Wait, did I accidentally... No. I- oh, it's just repeating itself. Okay. <laughs> Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of bitmen pits. Ah, that's where the money is. And as mm. the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of them, some fell into <clears throat> them, and the rest fled to the hill country. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions and went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, who was living by the yokes of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshkol of Aner. These were the allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them, and pursued them to Heboa, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsmen Lot with his possessions and the women and the people. (sighs) Good job. Thanks. Uh, we're, uh, mm-hmm. we're just taking a break because chapter 14 is got a lot oh, going yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm not getting a clear answer. On the title, King? Yeah. Perhaps Splendor, High Praise, or for Thanksgiving. It's unclear. I can't really, I don't know. Maybe somebody else find it, but. Swimhook calls them Cheddar Lemur. I like that better. I like that too. I like that too. Yeah. So we talked about this when we talked about um, Joshua going into, well, when we talked about the Canaanites and the, the kings and one of them or somebody fought off one that was a, a giant at some point, maybe not in this part of it, but man, I can't right. remember now. Now I'm drawing a huge blank. Good job, me. I did the research. It's hard to keep it all in your head. Yeah. Uh, I think the purpose of this particular portion is to show basically the strife that was going on in this area. I mean, clearly a bunch of these uh, kingdoms, tribes, whatever you want to call them, were at war with each other. Yes. And this is um, like the big thing with Sodom and Gomorrah. So you have the five kingdoms and the fight and um, Abram even gets involved, obviously. Which again shows you why it's important to have such a big household because he took what 318 of his house. This is not his whole house. This is not even women and men. This is his men that were of fighting age. Yeah. Trained men born in Trained his house. Yeah. 318 of them. That's just crazy. Um, and defeated them and pursued them to Hoba. It's almost like Abram at this point basically had a whole army to himself. He, it's more than a tribe, I feel like, at yeah. such a great size. It's <laughs> Abram, who's like this gentle herdsman with his, you know. 318 flock. trained men. And then, boom, he's got a whole army coming at you. <laughs> Just don't underestimate him. <laughs> and then <laughs> the juxtaposition of uh, his confidence here when he can take all of his men and go charge, but not to like protect his own wife when he goes to Egypt. Yeah. Maybe he just didn't have them. Maybe like the episode in Egypt was before he had amassed all of this wealth. Right. But now he has it and he still does the same thing again later. Spoiler alert. I know. Yeah. He has no excuse. Yeah. No, he doesn't. Dun, dun. Not that any of us do when we continue to be like, but I don't trust you, God. (laughs) Right. I don't know. We're all fallible. Anything in your notes? Um, not that I can. Ooh, here's a note. The Valley of Siddim is most likely submerged under the waters of the Dead Sea. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Ooh, that lines up with what you were talking about in our Sodom and Gomorrah episode. Right, right. That's why they were able to find all the sulfur balls, because they hit the water, and they were preserved that way, whereas everything else, when it hit the um, people and the towns and all that, right. not not preserved. <laughs> um, whiskey piss. Someone should make a movie about this and call it the 318. <laughs> 
<laughs> Instead of the 300, it's the 318. This hey, is, someone call Angel Studios. This is Abram. Right. Just kick somebody in the chest. Right. Or hit them with your staff, maybe. I don't That's know. right. Um, and then one more, sorry, one more comment <laughs> I want to bring up before I lose it. Jay Kelly was saying, our pastor is doing a Wednesday night study on basically a lot of what quirks and conspiracy pilled has been talking about for the last year, angels, demons, Nephilim, science being religion, etc. I think it's, I think we're, I think we're led a lot to a lot of these subjects that we talk about. And we're also seeing kind of a lot of connections with, uh, at least for us, connections in the Old Testament and connections in science and things in history, because obviously it all repeat the self. <laughs> yeah. And so I, right. your pastor's on to something. I think I think we're just trying to keep us all in alignment with with God and His Word, even though all this crazy stuff is happening. So, Yay. pay attention because yeah. it seems like I don't know. Maybe this is me getting uh, too end of the worldy, but I feel like when. Christians come to an understanding of something almost collectively, it's because God is pointing us in a particular direction. Right. Um, it seemed like something w- like that was happening in the early 2000s when the Left Behind series got really popular. But there was also like a lot of problems going on deep in the church. Not that there's obviously not now, uh, if not even more so with the way churches have started flying the sin flag at the top of their church yeah um but that is so awesome that you go to a church where your pastor is taking things very seriously and it's sad that that's so rare but treasure it that's the other part that that is the sad part is that i do find it's very rare for to have a pastor who's so brave to tackle these things and talk about these things with his church that's his job he's a leader he's supposed to i don't know but it is hard to find. So, yay, I'm glad you have a good pastor like that. <laughs> it's so awesome. Yes. And it's so special. Yes. Anyway. All right. Sorry. Back to, I'm just trying to avoid saying. I know. It's trying to give you a break. Again. <laughs> and now we that go. we have a better name for this guy. I know, right? I People like are going to like listen and be like, that's not his name at all. <laughs> listen. Listen. <laughs> I'm from the South. I can't say anything right. <laughs> You get to say whatever you want, however you want. That's right. You just put a southern accent on it; it's fine. Oh, just kidding. Just read the Bible in my deepest southern accent. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Abram blessed by Melchizedek or Melchizedek. I think that's how you say it. I've heard that name at least a little bit more often right. than right. Cheddar Lemur. All right. After his return from the defeat of Cheddar Leomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High and blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord Most 
Most High, Possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshel, and Mamre take their share. I wish I understood the culture then better Better, to really understand what was going on here. Yes. Because I just can't imagine a world in which the enemies who took your nephew hostage uh, or just took him for whatever reason, ran away, were at war. Now here comes Abram with his 318 men, basically beats up your guys. And now you're going to eat and drink wine with him. Right. Parlay. (laughs) Maybe, maybe it's a parlay type of situation. Yeah. I don't know what the rules were then, (laughs) but you're right to understand the culture better. That would have been, and, um, to break bread and wine. I don't know if that was like a, a peace thing. Like you we're having, we're breaking bread together. We won't. That's definitely a peace thing. I'm going to get like super nerdy and talk about red rising. Cause that was a thing that (laughs) I know that's like not biblical at all. But the, the cultural pieces are still there because it's inspired by Greek and Roman mythology. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of breaking bread with people is very much a, a peace-related thing. It's like, you're in my house, you are my guests. If I break bread with you, if we share food on the same table, it's basically a mutual promise that we're not going to kill each other. Right. I will protect you in my house. You won't disrespect me and attack me in my house. Right. I don't but yes. And I I just love how like smart Abram is. Yeah. You know, like, uh-uh, I don't want your stuff. You're not going to be able to come back at me and be like, oh, I, you're rich because of me. No, nope, right. nope, nope. I'll take the bread. I'll take the food. Give everybody else their stuff. And it's funny, too, because Abram gives them a bunch of stuff, a tenth of everything. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's considering how much Abram had. Right. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. Here you go. (laughs) And then so, hmm, that is almost like a tax. Right. Right. And so does that mean Abram would have been considered a citizen of Sodom or is he just like, here are some taxes I'll give to you. Now leave me alone type of thing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm just rereading it one more time. But um, hmm. Yeah, Nancy yeah. agrees with the hospitality thing. Yeah, big deal. Yeah. The Ancient Law of Hospitality bookstore Thor also agrees. Yep. Oh, Nana C thinks it's more like a tribute. tribute. Yeah, I think it goes, um, or a toll. Yeah, I think it goes back to the whole idea of honor uh, and hospitality. It's like, that was such a huge part of tradition back then. It's a tradition we've very much lost in our culture, which is kind of tragic. Well, like that, yeah, and just honor and respect even for your enemies, yeah, kind of a thing. Respect. Mm-hmm. Especially for a very powerful enemy, like Abram obviously was. Right. 
Right. So, yeah. I like it. I like it, too. All right. How are we doing? We're at about an hour. Do we want to do a couple more? Or? One more? Yeah, one more. We can. We do one more? Okay. Let's do it. <clears throat> Chapter 15, God's Covenant with Abram. So after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you had given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, excuse me, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur from the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourns in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in good in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, to the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Mm. <clears throat> That's big. Excuse me. It's a big hunk of land. That is huge. Yes. And this is so powerful. I mean, this is, I mean, it's titled God's Covenant with Abraham. So, yeah. It's God's Covenant with Abraham. But this right. is the first time we get... Like a huge prophecy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've seen other, maybe inklings of other prophecies before, but this is like, to me, it's the clearest prophecy here that, right. um, you know, the Israelites would go and dwell in Egypt for 400 years and only in the fourth generation would they be taken back out. And so, I mean, God very clearly states, this is what's going to happen. You're going to die in a good old age. And we see all of these prophecies fulfilled as Genesis goes on and as we get into Exodus. Yes, absolutely. I think the the big takeaway for me is always, um, you know, Abraham couldn't see all the many blessings God had for him. Mm. And he couldn't see that, you know, he kept, you know, 
well, the air is going to be someone from my household. And God's like, calm down. No, it's not. But when you can't um, show how short-sighted we are, even when um, even when we're patient people, even when we're faithful yeah. and trusting, God just sees so much, has control over so much, whereas we're just like, okay. I'll, you know. Any day now, God. Yeah. Like tomorrow, <laughs> right now, because that'd be cool. Uh, yeah. but you see it throughout all of this, even the promise of Canaan to th- his people, like it's going to take a long time to get there, but don't yeah. worry. I haven't forgotten about you. You're going to get there. It's going to come. Um, that just gives me hope sometimes when I'm like, okay, I know you haven't left me. I know you got plans for me. I know something, you know, I know I'm okay. Right. But like, now <laughs> now would be good yeah. now sounds good now now would be good i struggle with this a lot because i mean i i relate very much to sarah's plight like hey god yeah. uh don't forget about me too god um yes. but you know it's like it's hard but at the same time you know god has a thing in store it's just so impatient yeah and i you know i know someday i'm gonna look back and be like ah oh, if I had known, I wouldn't have. But at the same time, I wouldn't have grown. I wouldn't have. Right. All the cliched things you want to throw in there, right. but that are true, but cliche, and you don't want to hear in the moment because I don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's I do. He's been doing this since the beginning of time. Right. And it's just nice to know that he's still the unchanging unshakable, unmovable. He, his promises last forever. And even though it's extremely difficult at times, I mean, even Abram had to deal with it. All of his offspring. <laughs> to Imagine deal with being it. part of uh, the line that just had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years and then didn't even get to go into the promised land. Yeah. Some of them, he's like, no, you guys, you cowards Messed aren't worth it. Head. I'll give it to the next generation. Yeah. We'll wait. Yeah. And and sometimes that's it. Sometimes the promise isn't for us, but for the generation after us. And and yeah. that's hard too. Yeah. Yeah. It's um the story's better like, than us. Yeah. It's also hard to put your ego on the back burner and be like, yeah. okay, maybe it's not about me. But I want it to be, but I guess, you know. Yeah. All these things, all these things are humbling, you're growing, you're going through all the emotions but it's nice to see that we're we're not alone again right. even in the old testament they're going through it yeah yeah I don't know. uh nathan says god also promises judgment <laughs> he often makes us wait for that too that's true it's a good point too because <laughs> yeah. boy do i want uh, sometimes i'm like that someone said in the chat earlier the meme noah Get the boat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, the pendulum swings both ways. It, could it does. Be good or bad. Uh, any, um, is there anything else in there? <laughs> Sorry. The symbolism of the, the pot and the torch is interesting. Oh, so, yes. Here's what my notes say. The deep sleep came upon Abram when the sun was setting. Now in heavy darkness, he saw supernatural light, a smoking 
excuse me, oven and a burning torch. These symbols represent the glory of the Lord to Abram. Smoke and fire with clouds and darkness often precede God's act of judgment. This oven and torch imagery may indicate the impending judgment on Canaan, the promise that God's word to Abram would be kept. Between those pieces, this last element has profound implications. In solemn agreement between equals, party treaties, both participants would pass between the bloody pieces of slain animals and birds. The symbols would be evident to all. May I, beca- may I become like this if I do not keep my part of the deal? But Abram was not to walk this grisly pathway. Only God made that journey in the symbols of smoke and fire. The fulfillment of the promise of God to Abram, the Abrahamic covenant, as it is sure, is as sure as the ongoing life of the Lord. I love that. I do too. That's what I was going to say. It's like, it, it's like foretelling of later. <laughs> yes. A walk through the wilderness and things like that. But I liked all of that. That was beautiful. I like that only God could pass through it because only yeah. God could make the promise come true. Just like only Jesus could die on the cross. None of us could take that. Yep. None of us could do what he did. Only he could fulfill the promise. And that, again, just reminds us it's not yeah. about us. Right. This, this story is not about us. Right. No matter what the left would have you believe. It ain't about you. <clears throat> it's not. And as hard of a pill as that can be to swallow, I also think it's very, when you surrender to it and you just let God have control as hard as that is, and you realize it's not about you, it is a very freeing at the same time. Yeah. <gasps> I'll be right back. Just a second. Yeah, Keep going. Good. I'll be right back. Yeah, you're totally good. It is, it is very freeing. And... There's just like, there's so much here. Let me see if my notes have anything else to share with you guys. Um, So this is about verse 15, 18. So that was this last one. On the day that the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your offspring, I will give this land. So my notes say, the same day that Abram believed in the Lord and God counted it to him for righteousness, God made a covenant with him. The first time this very significant word is used of God's promise to Abram. In this case, the agreement is between a superior and an inferior. Uh, compare this later to uh, Genesis twenty-one twenty-seven, where the word is used in a parity treaty between Abraham and Abimelech. And so, it kind of goes on about how often the word covenant is used, but how special it is in this particular instance. And then descendants translates the Hebrew word for seed, which may refer to a populace or to an individual. The Jews who would descend from Abram would fulfill this promise as the seed collectively. So also the Christ, who is the seed, capital S, singular, would ultimately fulfill the promise. One day, both the Savior and his people will fulfill this promise to the utmost this land is the key term for this section. As already noted, God's promise to Abram included his descendants and the promised one, the seed of the seed of Genesis three fifteen. Oh, the the enmity will be between your seed and the snake. Ah, it all ties back. 
But the promise also included the land of Canaan, which was to become the land of Israel. Whew. So much. This. Yes. And I missed that. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. It's just more, more Bible notes and my study Bible. Yay. Yeah, I can't recommend study Bibles enough. I know they're like, like I could bonk someone over. I, it's probably a murder weapon at this point with how big <laughs> it is. Um, but it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I misplaced mine. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah. I'm just, uh, I need to find a new one because it was, it's wonderful. It's the wonderful one I got when I was in either middle school or high school and has basically fell apart at the seams yep. was an NIV and I, I read it like crazy and it's so funny because NIVs were so popular when I yeah. was growing up and now I just like the ESV better. I Me can't, too. yeah, this particular one I have right here is a new King, King James version. Um, and I also like King James, but yeah, that's fun. Oh, I like what Nana C says here. That is why marriage should be emphasized as a covenant. It carries with it that there should be no divorce, that the couple will work things out always. Yes and no. I mean, there are certain exceptions for that, but it's people should definitely try harder than our society would think. Yeah. Yeah. I have to, I have to agree. I mean, even Moses had laws for that, but if you're going into it with the, uh, solemnity it deserves with you're going into it yeah. with this respect for the covenant that marriage deserves then yes i know you're both coming at it from that perspective and and other things but you sure we're talking about it as a covenant which it is yeah um and you go into it with that kind of respect and that kind of attitude that you will do what it takes to make it work yeah i totally agree and then if you're both fighting that hard for it Right. How much better is that marriage going to be? And and no, I think um, you hit the nail on the head there too, Jess. Like our culture today is like, everything's so easy. Like you don't want a baby. You don't have to have that baby. You don't want to have a marriage. You don't have to have if that marriage. If it doesn't have enough glitter, then you don't need it, right? It, if it's, it's not it's making not you happy. Good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. <sighs> not to be total bummers this whole <laughs> I know, right? This whole episode. Well, you know, we we picked a, a funny day stuff. to talk about a tower, but you know, we also True. we also talked about God's promises. Yes, and I think that sets up well. This the next chapter is Abram is not trusting God to fulfill on his promises. Right, Shocker! Right. Yes. Um. Yeah. Actually, let's stop here with that. Okay. Is that cool? Because I want to yeah. pick up on this and I'm going to, I want to jump more into Genesis 16. Yeah. There's stuff going on here. There's stuff going on. And then, and then we get into with this too. Right. Like I think. Bottom and Gomorrah. And yeah. there's a lot coming up next in Genesis, which I'm excited about. Maybe. Maybe we'll get a break from genealogy next time. I, I somehow, uh, I doubt it. I know. <laughs> I just being way I, too I, positive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're reading the Old Testament or something. 
It's weird. 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 Uh, but I think, um, what's your takeaway from our, I'm just going to put you on the spot, I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's good. <laughs> um, don't build skyscrapers to the heavens to try and conquer God. Check. Trust God when he says he's going to do something, yeah. even if it sucks to wait. Yes. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Go with things in the right spirit with the right heart. Uh, don't underestimate God's, I don't want to say his anger, but just righteous anger. Right. Not that I, not that there's a good balance between being scared (laughs) and loving and good. I don't know if that makes any sense at this moment, but you know what I'm saying? There's, there's two sides of this and God can be. Yeah. It's reckoning. It's being respectful and in awe of his mighty power, but also loving him and that respect too. And knowing that he loves you too. Yes. He literally came here and died on the cross for you. I mean, what a, there is no greater love than this. No, no. Agreed. Um, And yes, his promises are kept in his time, (laughs) in his time frame. And like a a tiny testimony Um, for, especially for like new listeners who don't know, like my backstory, I I used to teach public school. I thought God had called me into public schools. Like that's where I needed to be. That's where I was going to do the most good. That's where I was going to help. And then earlier this year, a parent found my Twitter, didn't like it. And I got removed from my position for being a Christian conservative on Twitter. And now I like, that was awful. I, I, didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, God, I thought you called me into this. I thought this is what I was supposed to do. I went into a lot of debt getting a master's degree so I could do this. So like, now what God, now what? Um, I was like kind of mad at him for a while there. Every school I interviewed at, it's like, no, we don't want you because of that. Very specifically because of that situation. But then I interviewed at the school I'm teaching at now that is a private Christian school. And guys, I can't even tell you how different it is, how amazing it is, how like I almost cry when I I used to almost cry going to work because of how miserable I was. Now I almost cry going to work because of how amazing it is. I got get to pray with students before they take a test to help calm them down. Like that is so big. Um, and so I didn't know that's what was going to happen. I didn't know that was God's plan. And I, there's still lots of things I'm still fighting with God about because <laughs> life, but, well, yeah, because life, but I don't know. His timing is good. And even though it sucks in the moment. Yeah. Okay. And he's big enough to handle that too. Yeah. You know, he's big enough to handle your emotions. <laughs> He is. That's not like, that's nothing new. And I don't know. I think we need to hear that sometimes. It's like, God, yeah. God, I think sometimes God wants you to be mad at him just so you'll talk to him, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because I point. think our culture 
just like distracts us so much. Like be on Twitter, be on, be angry at the news, be angry at everything. Don't notice God. Right. Right. So I don't know. It wasn't it. I might be botching this, but didn't Einstein say like there are two ways to look at the world as if everything is a miracle or as if nothing is something along yeah. those lines. I'm do not quote me. Cause that is obviously that not right, but it's something along those lines. And I try to take that into everything. Like you can see God in everything. Right. Or you can choose to ignore the fact that he's, he is in everything. And I think when you take him out of all of the things, even even when it doesn't make sense, like God can't be in this, it doesn't make sense. Um, like that, that makes it even worse and more depressing, right? <laughs> that He's not here in this, and uh, yeah, I won't I won't get into it tonight. My whole story, but I I've uh, I've dealt with a lot of loss the last like few years, and I am not going to go into it because I do not want to cry on right now. But my point <laughs> is. I have to hold on to the fact that God is in all of this, that I have not lost all all of this for nothing and hold on to what I do have, the promise that he will never leave me or forsake me, all those things. So I'm not just trying to sit here and be like, these are all the things you should do. No, I'm living it too. And I'm getting angry with God and I don't understand at times, but it's like when I look at Abraham and Sarah, for example, and other examples in the Bible, it's like you can also see, you see repeatedly how the people turn their backs on God, but you can also see repeatedly how faithful and true God is. And, yeah. and all the, all the, all the ways it all turns out to the glory of God in the end. Hold on to that. That's right. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's, there we go. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Happy Monday. <laughs> we love you guys so yes. much. Thank you for being here with us, for sharing this special time together. And I guess we will see you next time. We'll see next you Friday time. for Ancient Wonders of the World. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Thanks, everybody. Can't wait. We'll see God bless. Then. Good night.